Welcome to Companion Pass. I'm Lindsay Branquino, and we're about to take a wild ride into the lesser-known side of rodeo life. While the biggest names in rodeo are out in the arena entertaining us all, these are the stories of the people behind the scenes, supporting them and holding it all together. Unfiltered conversations with the partners, parents, and children of your favorite rodeo athletes on what it takes to navigate relationships, raise families, and pursue careers while the ones they love are out chasing their gold buckle dreams. Whether you're a part of this big rodeo family, a fan of the action, or a lover of Western culture, Companion Pass is where you'll find all of the insights you've been craving. Today's show, we get to do something that I have wanted to do for a very long time, and I am just so thrilled that it's finally happening. Since the inception of Companion Pass, even when it was just a written series, I've always wanted to be able to have someone on who had a parent who was the rodeo athlete so we could explore that side of this lifestyle. And today we are finally making that happen. Joining us is Alyssa Lockhart. Now, I'm sure that name instantly brings to mind her mother, who's just a legend in the sport, Lisa Lockhart. She is a 16-time NFR qualifier in the braille racing, and she has won over $3 million in her career. Alyssa, thank you so much for being here and making all my dreams come true. <laughs> Whatever. Happy to be here, Lindsay. I'm excited. Like I told you at the beginning, I feel like I'm a little outside of your normal population that you've been doing. I know that's for a reason, but there's been some amazing ladies that I'm just excited to be able to share a little bit with you. Oh, I'm so happy to have you here. And I don't know a ton of specifics about your story, but I'm really excited to learn them. Like I mentioned, your mom has qualified for the NFR 16 times in the brow racing, and you're really young. So it's fair to say that she has rodeoed the majority of your life. You've grown up with a mom going down the rodeo road. What was that like for you? Because that's not like your typical childhood. Yeah, so it's definitely been a roller coaster like we were just talking about even before we got started. The rodeo life is different. <laughs> and so even when we were young, I guess since the time we were born and we were kids, so I have two younger brothers. We got hauled everywhere and my parents were rodeoing pretty hard even when we were little. And it was more my dad that he's a calf roper. He was the one that had initiated the whole thing. I mean, they'd been rodeoing for years and years, but they continued on and it was all for his career until around the time she made the finals. The first time she had gotten a horse a couple of years prior, which is what really kickstarted her career. She had a really nice one before them that had a bad injury and that horse, his name was Sterling. He was the one that kind of started the whole thing. And my dad's like, man, you need to go. Like, we need to really try. So that's that's how it all got started. And yeah, so we were always in the backseat going everywhere. I have memories of us going to Canada when we were really little. It's all kind of a blur. But I mean, that's just kind of what we did. Mom and dad rodeoed and we were there. And I got to say, when we were young, we really did not have the interest. We just knew that's what our parents did. And we like, yeah. we went and we had fun. And that's what we did. So you went with them all the time. It wasn't like you stayed at home and did traditional school childhood thing. You were on the road with them full time. Yeah, we went with them until basically I started school. And then that's when my dad stopped going as much and he still would. And I stayed with my grandparents a lot. But that's when things really started to change is when I first began school. 
And all three of us kids started to stay home a little bit more after that. But yeah, up until then, we went everywhere. But yes, once school started, when I was in kindergarten, that's when things shifted a little bit and mom started going a lot more by herself. What was that transition like for you? Was it difficult because now you are having to stay home and mom's away? Or was it kind of fun for you to just maybe not fun when you're that young? Or was it nice for you to just be in one spot and have that stability? Yeah. So, you know, it's funny. My parents always felt so bad hauling us around when we were young, but we asked them once, can we just go on a family vacation without horses? And my mom tells that story all the time. Like, can we go without horses somewhere? It was hard because we were always going, but I guess we had so much fun in the midst of it that I don't necessarily remember being a huge deal. I loved school and I loved getting to stay with grandma and grandpa. So (laughs) it wasn't a big deal. But yeah, sometimes it was hard even as a kid just because Everything was always so focused on the horses. I love hearing you say that. Can we have a family vacation without horses? Because my kids have felt the same way. It's like when you have, when one parent is out rodeoing, your life definitely revolves around that and your schedule does. And particularly because the time of year everybody takes family vacations is summer and that is the busiest time for rodeo. So it's almost impossible to squeeze that family time in. And you're doing your best as a parent. So sometimes we would try to like fly to a rodeo. That's your vacation, right? And maybe tack on a day or two here or there to do something extra. That's fun. But it wasn't until this past summer and our oldest child is 15. So 15 years of having kids. And it wasn't until this last summer was our very first family vacation that was not horse or rodeo related. And it's just, it was so fun just to get to do that and have that experience. But that's one of those little things I think you don't realize that these families are sacrificing or missing out on that really normal stuff. Most people's childhood includes that. Absolutely. And yeah, it's also focused on scheduling when you rodeo. So yeah, my parents were so good about fitting that kind of stuff in to do together as a family when we did. But my dad's argument always was our life is a vacation. We get to see and do some of the coolest stuff. And it was so true. And that was a change of perspective, even when you're little. But it was still like, gosh, I wish we could go somewhere where we don't always have to come back at a certain time to make sure horses are fed and watered and all that. I've definitely felt a lot like that, too. It feels like even when you do try to pencil in those few days of family time, it always feels like there's this looming deadline. You kind of feel like you're on the clock. It's always running out and you've only got two days and then somebody's got to go somewhere. Was that something that like a feeling that you ever felt or were aware of as a kid? Maybe not so much as I was a kid, especially like when I said when our lives transitioned so much when we started school, we all, like you said, have our own schedules and we just all had to become independent in our own way. And both me and my brothers all played high school sports and stuff. And so it was just always we all have our own thing and have to keep track of our own stuff. And it was hard to ever get together and do things as a family because we all were being pulled in different directions. And so it took a lot of extra effort to be able to make things like that happen. Yeah. Just the logistics of that, like how did your parents manage that if you're all playing sports? And I know as a parent, you want to be there for every one of your kids' games, but that's just not a reality when you're out rodeoing. Did you ever feel like, did they try to get there when they could? Or did you ever feel like you were missing out on having them around for those moments? 
So there were definitely times where, you know, it kind of stunk because there was even a couple homecoming games where like you're the only kid that doesn't have your parents to walk across the floor or across the field or whatever it might be. So times like that were hard, which we had such good friends whose parents would do it for us or whatever because they knew and they understood. But just even with that, I think this is a perfect time to talk about the character of both my parents and the things that matter to them, they made sure were going to happen. So my mom has spent so many all-night drives, driving hundreds and hundreds of miles all night to come back to to make sports games and to make rodeos. And there's so many stories like that because she prioritized that over anything. And she loves rodeo, but it has always been like, my kids come first. And yeah. so... To come watch a stinking high school rodeo. Right. I mean, she has put it all on the line so many times just to, to come and be there for us. Oh, my God. I literally have tears in my eyes. Like, I'm trying to <laughs> hold this back. And I think that part of, like, me getting emotional over this is hearing that now that you're on the other side of it, like, you're an adult now, you can look back and recognize those things that she did for you and that it really mm-hmm. was meaningful to you. Because I know so many times it wasn't me in your mom's shoes, but Luke doing that and being like, Mm -hmm. I know rodeoing is exhausting. Your traveling schedule and the demand on your body, it's exhausting when you're just out on the road. And so he would get to the end of the day. And then you said your mom would do, he'd jump in the truck and he'd drive 12 hours knowing he was going to be able to be home for six hours just so he didn't miss the last game of the season or the first junior rodeo or whatever. And I always hoped that my kids would grow up and be able to, with hindsight, look back on those days and be like, see, he missed a lot of times. But what stands out more to me is the effort he put in to know so that I would know I was important. So hearing you say that you are in that place in life and you do see that, it just just fills my heart up and gives me so much hope that they will come to that place in their lives. Absolutely. No, all those times have absolutely. I mean, they're the highlights of when my mom would show up knowing what she had to go through just to be there for me in those moments. They meant so much then, but they mean even more now looking back and just knowing what it took for it to happen. Like I said, it just tells so much about her character and the things that she truly values in life. I think that you touched on this a little bit a few minutes ago, but now that you're older and you look back on your childhood How do you think that this lifestyle shaped who you are now as an adult? So I just think anyone that rodeos or ever has rodeoed knows that like we handle adversity so well. (laughs) Even as we were talking about in the beginning, like so many things go wrong and we have to figure out how to problem solve and make them work. And we usually do. And I think that's what I'm most thankful for. Like, I've seen it through my parents. I've seen it through my friends. And I've been in all those situations myself. And we just know that when things go wrong, we're going to have to move forward and make something come out of it. Because I don't know, we've just been put in these situations so many times and been through so many trials that I feel like it's helped us so much just in life in general to know how to move through those times that are harder. Yeah, so well said. I think that's so important. And I'm going to keep bringing this back to me being a parent, but that's one of the things as a parent, rodeo or not, that you want your kids to learn is to be able to rely on themselves and feel confident about their abilities to get themselves out of tough situations or Mm -hmm. through difficult times because you know that you can't always be there. You're saying that just through living this lifestyle, you've really acquired those skills that are so important to get through the rest of life. They will never not be important at any stage in your life. Absolutely. I mean, just being able to problem solve and not get stuck in a rut, you can use it in every area of your life. Yeah. 
or even just not get discouraged because in rodeo, you're going to get knocked down all the time. And it's so easy to just like get down. So to know like, all right, you get back up and that kind of try again attitude, like you don't quit, Mm -hmm. you keep putting yourself out there is so important. Absolutely. Yeah. And then you mentioned it before, but just the independence that it taught you and your brothers of doing things that, again, is another thing that has so much value, like being able to be independent and know you don't always need to rely on somebody else. Not that there's anything wrong with being able to do that at times, but knowing that you can, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And like you said, that confidence and just learning how to have to be your own person and find your own identity through those kinds of things. And what do I love and what do I need to do and how hard do I need to work at these things? And I don't know, I guess that's just rodeo has just taught so many different life lessons in so many different ways that a lot of people could never imagine. But until you're there and you've done it. Yeah. Oh, it's so funny. And that's one of those things I talk about all the time. I feel like you could write a book like rodeo life lessons because it sounds kind of trivial and cheesy to people but I'm like here's what rodeo's taught me and I'm sure that there are Mm -hmm. plenty of other avenues of life where people get these same lessons you can learn these things but rodeo encompasses so much of it and I I think it's so cool to be able to look through it that lens like here's what rodeo taught me this is what it is and I apply it to so many areas of my life Absolutely. No, I completely agree. And it it just, I feel like there's so many commonalities between just like our kind of group of people because of all the things that we've been through with it. One of the things you just mentioned was finding what you loved. So you've clearly been surrounded by all things rodeo from day one, your entire life. And then you also talked about you rodeoing. So at what point did you realize you had your own passion for rodeo? Yeah. So like I mentioned, we, none of us liked rodeo at the beginning (laughs) at all. Like we were so sick and tired of just, that's our lives. We were always at a rodeo, our upbringing. And so like we had no interest, none of the three of us. And I don't think it was until middle school that I was truly like, okay, I think I want to do this a little bit. I got to junior high rodeo, I think starting my seventh grade year. And my parents started hauling us to the Little Bridges rodeos. And before then, we'd hardly done anything, just like some local play days and stuff, because we really, like I said, didn't want to and didn't ride our horses or put effort in. But I think it was around the first time my mom made the finals that I'm like, oh, this is, I I like this, which is sad to say, but I think I was nine years old the first year that she did. And I didn't know what the NFR was because I didn't care. And I knew it was a big deal. I think it fueled fire for both me and my middle brother, Thane. We really started to rope and ride and practice more after that and started actually going. I kind of love hearing that because it sounds like your parents have taken a similar approach that Luke and I did where it's not like this expectation. It's like, if you're not in a rodeo, by all means, find whatever you do love. I could care less. There's zero pressure comes along with this. And so knowing that they did that with you so that when you did turn to it and showed interest in it, it was your own. It wasn't because you felt like you had to or because you just always had and didn't question it. Absolutely. And I forgot I wanted to mention that my parents have never pushed any of it on us. They've always been like, do whatever you want to do, whatever you love to do. But if you're going to do it, like we're going to work hard at it. And that's just, just always been like the, I don't know. The goal of what we do in our lives, we're just going to work hard at it if that's what we want to do. So yeah, my parents never really pushed it. I think it was probably hard for my dad, like, oh, my kids don't want to rope. But my mom was always like, nope, we're never going to. And so it has always been from us. And my youngest brother did kind of start having some interest for a couple of years, but 
he does not anymore and he doesn't have any part to do with the horse or anything. And it's okay. Like he has a job that he loves and my parents are so proud of him nevertheless. And something that you mentioned there, I think you said that your parents had no expectations that you did it. But if you were going to do it, you were going to give it 100%. You were going to work hard Mm -hmm. at it and apply that work ethic and everything that's so great. And I'm sure still with your youngest brother who is not interested or into rodeo, he's still taking that. Again, we're talking about those life lessons and Mm -hmm. applying it to whatever he is passionate about. He's still taking that same work ethic that I'm sure he learned along with you and your other brother and applying it to whatever career path he's chosen for himself. Yeah, absolutely. And what's funny about him is he's always been such a natural at it and he never practiced. And for the first few years, he won as a little kid. He would win and he didn't want to do it. And then when it started getting serious and he wanted to, it became a lot harder really fast because it wasn't that nonchalant or just doing this for fun anymore because he wanted to win. And that, I think, is what taught him the most was the trials within it when it wasn't as easy as he had always thought that it was. And he wanted it more. And it was hard. (laughs) It was really hard. You just summed up rodeo to a T. Is that like when you want it the most is when it's the hardest for sure. When it's the hardest is when you learn the most about yourself and what you're made of and, and how bad you really do want it. 100%. And I think that applies to so many different areas of life. But yeah, when we want it, that's when things really get difficult. Yeah. And two, it's so funny hearing you talk. Everything you just said is exactly our middle child. Like, same thing. He's at a point now where he's like, yeah, no thanks. Occasionally, Mm -hmm. he'll be like when my older son's out practicing shoot dogging. He's like, yeah, maybe it looks kind of fun. I'll do it. And he runs a couple and he's like, nope, still not for me. Nope, I don't love this. And Luke has always says, because Luke gets asked all the time, which one of your boys do you think will follow in your footsteps? And he has mm-hmm. always said, I think Jameson, our middle son, he's like, I think he is the most probably natural at it. If he wanted it, mm-hmm. he could do it. It would come the easiest to him, whatever Luke sees in him. But I don't think he'll want it. And I think mm-hmm. our oldest is the one who it will be the most challenging for, but will work so hard enough at it to be as successful as he wants to be. And it's even funny to hear you say having people ask who's going to follow in your footsteps. Mm-hmm. And that just immediately lights up memories for me of like when we did start, the expectations from other people were so huge. And I think that was always one of the hardest parts for me, especially in high school and stuff when you're a teenager and things are difficult anyways. And the expectations from other people are so high and they're high for yourself. And that just even ignites it a little bit more. And that was really tough for me. And I think that taught me so much in life and about becoming my own person. And I want to be Olis Lockhart. I don't want to be just Lisa Lockhart's daughter and have everyone assuming all these things about you and that you rodeo and that you're really good at everything. and Yeah. And I'm so glad you brought that up because that was one of the big things that I wanted to talk to you about was whether you ever felt pressure or expectations to follow in your mom's footsteps or to live up to this incredible success she had. How do you compare to that is so hard. Like when that pressure is coming from the outside, how did you handle that? Was there anything that you learned about the best way for you to handle it? Oh, absolutely. I think through time, more than anything, I've just learned to, like I said, become my own person and who I am and set those expectations for myself instead of letting outside influences impact the expectations that I had for myself even then. 
yes, it was other people that kind of had them. But then because of that, I built them up within myself. And that made everything that I did so much harder. And it stinks to look back on, but it taught me so much about just like, what do I want out of life and what do I want to achieve? And is this really the path that I want to go down? And I can say seeing it from behind the scenes and all the work and time and blood, sweat and tears that my mom has put in over the years and my dad, that's not something that I want. I love rodeo, but I don't want to do what they've done. And that's totally okay. It's truly amazing. But I know that it's not the glamorous, big, fun stuff. And I know you know that. It's not what everyone makes it out to be. And if that's what you love, then absolutely go after it. But I love it at a different level. I love to circuit rodeo and I love to mess around with young horses. And yeah, that's okay. Learning that was okay was something that was really big for me. I mean, that speaks to me so strongly because I rodeoed growing up and into college and then I left college to professional rodeo because I thought that was really what I wanted. And I hung in there for a few years and it was challenging and I was learning a lot of stuff and I did love it. I was just a different person. I was at a different place in my life than when I was doing it. And then Luke and I got married and we started having kids and people would ask me all the time, are you going to go back to it? And I think now having kids and looking back, I'm like, I don't think I want it enough because Mm -hmm. from watching Luke do it and have done it myself, I'm like, I know what it takes. And I don't know that I could give that much of myself to it because that's what it requires to be successful. And I think that's Mm -hmm. such an important thing to talk about because particularly on this show, we highlight these guys who are rodeoing super hard, but you can still love and enjoy it at a different level. And I think what maybe what you're saying is that you can still find fulfillment not making it to the NFR, right? Mm-hmm. And you're still loving your rodeo career, your rodeo path with that not being your end goal. Yeah, no, 100%. And not that I would never like love to go some summer and go see all these amazing places and arenas and get to rope calf out of some of those boxes, but it would never be with the end goal in mind to do it just because, like you said, I've seen what it takes and I don't think I have the passion that other people do, even though I love it. Because it takes so much of a person anymore and it's become so specialized and perfected. Yeah. Year after year, like you said, it just gets tougher and faster and the horses and everything. Amazing. It really is. And it's incredible to watch, especially of somebody who knows all the ins and outs and loves it. But I think to be able to recognize in yourself, okay, that's just not who I am, sort of Mm -hmm. reinforces everything you just said is that you got really comfortable with knowing exactly who you are and like what your identity is without having to be your mom. Yes, exactly. There was a time at the high school finals, and I remember this just being such a defining moment for me, where I had entered one of the little jackpots, like just the weekday, middle of the week. No one's really got anything going on, so we're going to enter a Braille jackpot. And I was on the next drag, and I was just walking some circles over by the alley. And there was a couple girls standing in front of me in the arena, and they were announcing the next few, and they said Alyssa Lockhart. And one girl looked at the other, and she was like, does Lisa Lockhart have a daughter? And the other was like, no. And it hurt me because, and it should not have because really, but I was like, oh my gosh, it really hurt my feelings. Like she does. She has three kids actually. And then from there, it was like, okay, why did that hurt my feelings so bad? And I think it was obviously just because I have not done enough and I haven't won enough and I haven't been out there enough like I should have, but that's again, not what it's about. 
And I think just going from there, it's like, it doesn't matter what I do. I'm going to work as hard as I want to at this. And if I don't, it's okay. I mean, it just kind of breaks my heart. As a teenager, th- that stuff is so hard. But I think that in a moment like that, like you said, it was a defining moment. And you can either let it make you bitter or resentful about who your mom is or your parent is or not feeling like you're good enough just in what you've done if you're not Mm -hmm. living up to some expectation that a stranger has set for you. Why do we even care what we do, right? (laughs) It sounds like you kind of used it as motivation to just get more comfortable with who you knew you were and that you were enough. Absolutely. And there was actually a time in college where some friend of mine had told me about another girl saying, I wonder why Alyssa doesn't win more. Like you'd think with her mom being who she was, she would win more, especially in the barrel race. And I remember remembering that time at the high school finals and not caring. And I was like, huh. So I have actually done something and been able to work through this because I'm like, I really care that she said that. And I just remember that being a defining moment as well. Okay, I've been able to move past that a little bit because that doesn't bother me the way that it used to. And it took a lot, but it was finally something that I could leave behind me. How awesome to have a moment where it's sort of like you don't even know that you've overcome it until it's tested and you're like, wow, that just rolled right off my back. Like, how awesome. I think that there's this, and and maybe it's everything you've been saying, but I've always thought that there's this perception, I guess, that it's like genetic, right? Oh, because your <laughs> yeah. mom went out and won. Surely oh, you'll just go and do it. <laughs> when they don't realize what you said, like how hard these people are working at their craft, their event, what they're doing. Is I've heard a lot of that Cade is he's just started high school and mm-hmm. so he's going to be steer wrestling because he because he really wants to. But even last year in the shoot dogging and he'd been working and he works at it so hard. I see the hours that he puts into it. And there was that kind of chatter in the background. And I will absolutely say he's got a great teacher. Anytime he wants to ask a question, it looks like, yeah, I'll answer these questions. But nobody yeah. can give you one, the drive. Or two, just like magically pass on their talent. And so I think it's hard. And I try to continually encourage him and his own talent. I know that you're hearing those things. And I guess maybe some for him, he was feeling last year, like he wanted to feel great about how far he'd come and that he was the pieces were finally falling into place and he was finding a little success. And I think he felt like it was a little bit diminished because people were like, yeah, of course you would. Instead of just letting him feel proud of how far he's come and let him see, I put in the time, I put in the effort and good things can come of it is as I didn't mm-hmm. want him to not be able to feel that accomplishment and let it continue to drive him. I didn't want people to take away from that. Exactly. And it's all unknowingly. And I feel bad for those people, but I feel bad for like Cade because I've been there and what people don't realize is nobody does it for you. He still worked so hard at what he's done, but nobody really realizes it because they know that he has a leg up. But it's not true. Nobody does it for you. And I think until you truly realize that and just become okay with the chatter, it's hard. But I hope that he recognizes that early because I know it's hard. But that is so cool even now and to be in high school and to be working that hard at it. So... I'm wondering if you've ever experienced this, because this is has been really funny for me, is that we're talking about, oh, people just assume Luke has t- told him everything he knows, so he's going to be great. He's had other guys around him, like other guys Luke has rodeoed with and stuff, and 
they will go out and help Kate and Kate just absorbs everything they say. There's this kind of all of us have gone through a phase where you don't hear your parents the same way you hear other people. It's harder to be coached by your parents. We will have another guy out there who'll be like, oh, Kate, maybe if you try this and Luke will be standing in the background. And to his credit, Luke handles it so well. And he'll lean over and he's like, I've been telling him that for the last six months. And then Kate will come back and he's like, oh, Justin or Tucker showed me the coolest thing. And Luke's like, wow, that's great. Did you ever experience that with your mom? It's terrible, but both of my parents. And I think that it just has to do with them being your parents. And especially when you're a teenager, like, you know everything. It's terrible to look back on. I've definitely argued a few times in the practice pen and as a kid. Sometimes you think you know a little bit more, even though you don't quite have the success that they have had. I think it's just a rite of passage. I think we all do it. On the flip side of that, is there anything that you learned as a competitor from your mom that's really helped you? Oh my gosh, yes. So many things. And I think so much of it honestly has to do with the mental game. My dad always jokes about her having ice in her veins because I know that she's definitely had some really rough times. And a lot of people don't see that. They're like, oh, she's always so positive. And she is 98% of the time. But there have been some really rough times. But it's so amazing how she immediately bounces back from it. And those are the things that fuel her fire so much. I've seen it, especially in the last two years, where it's been so close on the bubble to not making the finals and how hard she's had to go to have to make it all work. And it's been so cool to be able to watch and to hear her talk about it. And I think that has been one of the biggest things because yeah. everyone has their own way of riding a horse or doing whatever like that. And she's an amazing horsewoman. And obviously I could talk for hours about the things that she's taught me there. But I think that's one of the biggest things definitely is her mental game. It sounds like you are learning a lot just by watching her and like following her lead. And I think that's such a powerful way to learn. It's not just your parents talking at you, but really learning by example. But now that you are a little bit older, do you and your mom talk about things like if you're struggling with a particular thing competitive wise, do you go to your mom and ask for advice? Do you guys talk about it? Oh, definitely. Yes. And she, even like this weekend, these two younger horses that I have at the Futurity and the Derby at this, like she has helped me immensely. So the last few years, I've actually been getting my master's degree in Texas. And so when she'd come down in the wintertime, she would live in Weatherford and I actually lived on the opposite side of Dallas. So I would drive through the city and I actually did a lot of times this winter. I would come and I'd stay the weekend and she would help me with these young horses and with my good horse. And she's just always been there to help with whatever and I have been so blessed to be able to do that throughout my life is be able to go to her to help. And I do say that has been such an amazing blessing that I know a lot of people don't get to have. And it just is cool. And I think it's helped me immensely in what I have been able to accomplish, of course. Right there, you mentioned another part of your life that I really want to talk about. So and this past May, you graduated from Texas A&M with a degree in clinical mental health counseling which I think is just so cool. You've pursued your education, clearly. But hearing that your degree is in clinical mental health counseling, to me, that makes it pretty clear that you must have a passion for helping others. Yes, I have always known that I've wanted to do something within that realm because I love people. And I'm going to say right now that this kind of thing intimidates me because I'm so much of a better listener and better about talking about other people as opposed to myself. So this was a stretch. But yeah, for a long time, I thought maybe something medical field or something like that. 
But when I went to college at, to get my undergraduate degree, I took a um, general psych class and I absolutely loved it. And so even from there, people would ask me, what are you going to do with a psychology degree? I'm like, I don't know, but I love it. And I think that says a lot about it. Yeah, when I graduated, I said, okay, I'm going to go to Texas to get my master's in counseling. I'm going to continue to college rodeo a couple more years. And I did. And I'm so passionate about it. And half the reason that I've brought so much of what we talked about back to the mental side of things or just my self-awareness of like how I've come to realize some of these things is because I've put so much thought into it because you kind of have to have a very high level of self-awareness in those kinds of fields. Working with the people that you do, it doesn't affect yourself. It's amazing. What do you plan to do with your degree? So that's really hard for me to answer right now because I really don't know. I will start probably working this summer. I have to take a big national exam. And basically, I'm like a pre-counselor, I guess is what you could say. We'll be at this next point once I take this exam and get pre-licensed. So I guess from there, I'm probably just going to work on hours into getting my full license. And from there, I don't know, but I'm very passionate about the agricultural and rural communities. Yeah. A lot of people don't realize that the suicide rate in farmers and ranchers is one of the highest occupationally. And that is something that has always been so hard for me to grasp. But at the same time, it's so real. I guess that's been something that I've really wanted to maybe work towards at some point in my life, but also bringing it more mental health things into the world of rodeo. Because it's not something we talk about there either. And I think that it could be huge and not just like sports psychology and helping you with your performance, but just like with the trials that we go through and the things that life throws at you, sometimes it's really hard. And we see things within our community that not a lot of people do. And it could, I think, really benefit a lot of people. I could not possibly agree more. And I think too, tell me if you agree or not, but I think too, there's this stereotype of the rodeo cowboy who's just like really tough, like a really tough exterior, mm -hmm. like get back up, dust yourself off. And there isn't always space for that vulnerability that I think is important because like we've talked about time and time again, rodeoing is so mentally challenging and can be really tough on you. So this avenue that you're talking about exploring, I feel is really long overdue and how incredible for you to have such insight from a lifetime of it to be able to now bring what you've learned and fill a void that I really agree is there. Yeah. And like you said, it could be so useful in so many ways, but it's a community that really doesn't believe in that stuff in a lot of ways. Yeah. Same thing with farmers and ranchers, the rural kind of cowboy, like they don't don't believe, don't need, don't, everything's fine. But it's obviously not. And yeah. we can see that. And I don't know. I just really think that there could be something there eventually, but there has to be kind of a little bit of open-mindedness towards it too, which I think we're moving towards. But I guess more than anything, time will tell. How incredible. I wish you so much luck down that path. I think that's just really amazing. And I hope that you can bring these two parts and two passions in your life together because that could be magical. What a great thing for you to be leading the charge on. I'll be cheering you on. Oh, you're so sweet. Thank you. Now, you mentioned that you college rodeoed, but I believe that you said you took like a, your last year maybe completely off. You did not rodeo at all. Is that right? Yes. So was that really hard for you? Because rodeo had been like the consistent part of your life. I mean, that was the one reliable thing in your life. It was always there. 
Was it hard completely stepping away from that? So it really was. And it's not even that I completely did. I rodeoed all four years of undergrad, college rodeoed, and I did two more. I was one of those people that used their COVID year and their masters, which... Let me just throw this in. What a blessing rodeo is for so many people to be able to help pay for their educations. It's amazing. We're so blessed. So this third and final year of my master's degree, I had horses in Texas and two of them were younger and were just very green, needing to get seasoned a little bit. One was, I guess you could say, a good horse, but I really didn't get to go much. I was basically working full time. I had an internship at actually a mental health clinic in Greenville, Texas. And it was the most amazing experience, but it left me with so little time to be able to do anything. I went to a handful of barrel races the whole time that I was down there. It definitely was just a getaway to get away from school, to get away from work, and just I could go ride and I could go work my horses and do those kinds of things. But life was so different this last year. And it was hard in a lot of ways because it was just a new normal. It was different. And I really had to adjust in a lot of ways, which this summer totally threw me off again. I've basically been working for my parents trying to get ready for this wedding. And yeah, so it's been a roller coaster, but it was different. It definitely was. Now you just mentioned what we need to talk about is that you have an impending wedding that. When this episode comes out, you will have been married. It is crazy to think about. It feels like it's been a long time coming. Your fiance Garrison, he is a rodeo announcer. So that's like a totally other aspect of rodeo life that we're throwing in the mix now. (laughs) What? How do you guys manage that? Because as a rodeo announcer, he's, I don't know how many rodeos he works a year, but that too is now you have this relationship where your future husband is committed to a life of travel, right? Yeah, he loves it and I love it. And yeah, like you said, it's a totally different side. I've learned so much about what goes into the production side of rodeo through both him and his dad. They are so involved and so invested. And it has been so cool to be able to see from that other side. Obviously, from a contestant side, we have so many opinions and so many things that we think should happen. And it's really cool at the same time. And yeah, and that's been his passion. This is his second year on his card. So that's been really exciting for him. He's been really busy the last couple summers. So that's been a huge blessing. I haven't seen him for a month. And he actually comes oh. home on Monday. Do you think that living a lifetime of rodeo and being surrounded by rodeo relationships, learning how to navigate that. Do you feel like that's like uniquely prepared you to now enter into a brand new version of one yourself? Yeah, I really do. And I've just seen so many amazing relationships that have been modeled through that same kind of concept of almost being long distance in a lot of ways, which stinks. Yeah. But we make it work. And I think it's just going back to even my mom and You put forth so much more effort into the things that you value and just knowing where your priorities lie and making sure that those things that you value always come first is just shows a lot about what you care about. I mean, he lived in Montana the last couple of years while I've been in school and we've made work. We spent a lot of money in plane tickets, but it's been so good and it's been such a blessing. You are now like starting to pursue your own career. You were still, you're rodeoing a little bit. Like you said, you're spending your summers rodeoing and stuff like that. Are there any specific or unique ways in which the two of you support each other in these separate careers that are pulling you in, in physically in different directions where you're having to spend a lot of time apart? I think more than anything, it's just making sure that you 
be there for them for those kinds of things. Garrison has learned so much about just rodeo in general and knowing when things are good or bad or what it can help with or what it can do. And he's been so good stepping into that role and just doing whatever he can to be a support to me. And same thing, I've never sat in a crow's nest these last couple of years, but I've been sitting right behind the timer so many times in the last couple of years. It's different, but it's been so good and so much fun. And that's what that's what he would want. I can't do much more, but he loves me just being there and being able to listen. And I love getting to do it. I think that there are those things, and it goes back to what we were talking about at the very beginning, is that when you're able to and you just show up for the people that are important to you in your lives, yep. and, and whatever that is, it can be physically showing up for them. It can be going out of your way to do something for them just so that they know that you support whatever it is they have going on in their lives. That it's like you're telling him, I fully support you in what you want to do, and I'll do anything I can to help you succeed at this. Exactly. And that just even reminds me so much of the whole counseling aspect is just being there for people is so huge, no matter what it is or who the person is or whatever. If you're there for them, it makes such a profound difference in their lives. Absolutely. Now, your mom is about to qualify for her 17th NFR. Do you go out to Vegas for the finals when she's there? Yeah, we've been out at least for a couple days every year that she's made it. So I don't know what that's going to look like this year, like work-wise, but we're definitely going to find a way to make something happen. Either this year or in past years, when you're out there in Vegas during the finals, what role do you take on in supporting her? Like in what ways when you're out there? Because it's such an intense week and there can be so much pressure and it's back to back to back. It's relentless. It's, It's really exhausting. How do you support her during that specific time period? My dad is definitely, he's her rock in every way, shape, and form and always will be. But when we're out there, it's amazing how much contestants have to have support in that time because it is the most exhausting and grueling 10-day of rodeo ever. And you get to um, support your sponsors. And so there's so many hours of doing this and there's so many hours as being a barrel racer, taking care of her animals and where we can. There's just picking up from autograph signings. If you can go and grab her here, or if you can go and run and clean stalls, or if you can hang some hay nets or whatever it might be, which if I'm only there for a couple days, I don't always help as much as say my dad would, but I definitely try where I can because it is such a difficult time. Yeah. I think that's something that you mentioned there that maybe people don't know is that it is 10 days of rodeo, which is physically demanding on your body, on your horses. Like if you're somebody like a barrel racer who has horses out there taking care of your horses, keeping them in shape, your early morning practices, if they have them, you're doing all of that. You're running every single night. They're late nights. It's a huge week for sponsors, high visibility. So these contestants, most of them have really full days of autograph signings because it's their chance to get to meet the people, the fans that are supporting them and they want to do that. But it's really nonstop. Like you said, I think it's just everybody kind of pitching in. And and I think that's one thing that's important to note, which is in part what this podcast is about, is that nobody that is hugely successful gets there on their own. Everybody has Mm -hmm. a team and a support system. And I've always imagined it like branching out. It's never one person. It's not like you said, your dad is her rock and is there every step of the way. But then it filters down to you kids and I'm sure extended family or or friends is there are so many people 
in the corner of these athletes, that the athlete is who we see on these huge stages being successful, but there's so many people mm -hmm. behind the scenes doing whatever they can to support them in that journey. Yeah. And I have to give my mom credit for that because she's always been so good about talking about how I've never been able to do any of this on my own. And we don't get to see the people that stand behind me that have helped and been there and sent texts or whatever, because all of it helps and all of it goes so far. Just like you said, having the support of people that love you and want to see you succeed is what carries you through the long nights and the hip barrels and all the things like it is so hard and mentally and physically draining. But if you have people there that are standing behind you and are always willing to do whatever you might need, that's what helps you get there. Yeah, for sure. We talked about your stretch through the end of the year. But beyond that, after you're married, after you make it to the end of the crazy year that you had massive year in terms of your life and accomplishments, what do you see for your future beyond that? What does it look like for you in your dream? Ultimately, I want to be able to help people improve their lives. Um, that's, like I said, always been a passion of mine and something that I want to do. I love the field of mental health and just continuing to grow that. And I also want to stay involved in this community, no matter what it might look like or how it might be. I don't know what that might be, but I want to continue having horses always, yeah. getting to go a little bit and getting to have fun while I'm doing it. So I don't really know exactly what it looks like, but I know where I want to be at. And this community is our lives. It, it's everything. Once you're brought up in it, you can't really just leave it all behind. There's always a piece yeah. of you here. Absolutely. Now, one of the things that we like to do is I always like to ask everybody, do you have a favorite rodeo moment or memory when you look back? It can be of yours. It can be of watching your mom. But is there something that sticks in your head that was like one of your favorites? Oh, my gosh. That's really hard. This is actually my mom's too, and I'm not stealing it because just even thinking about it makes me get goosebumps. I want to say it was maybe in 2019. The year at the finals, she had basically retired Louie and she brought him back for one run. And I'm going to cry talking about it. But they started playing her theme song, which is Louie, obviously. It was deafening. The whole stadium erupted and it was the coolest thing ever. And she said, like, she had a hard time not crying coming down the alley. But that was one of the coolest moments ever because that horse absolutely changed our lives in so many ways. Oh, that moment. Okay. So one of the things that we've been doing here is that I like to ask our guest uh, a question that's been left by a previous guest. So we're going to do that now. So yours is, what is your favorite non-rodeo activity to do while at a specific rodeo? This is going to be really lame, but during the NFR, every single year we've had this tradition. It has been for 16 years. Yes. That we go to this Italian restaurant they actually have. It's off of the strip and we've went every single year. And mind you, my parents eat horribly when they're at the NFR because you're going 9-0 all 10 days. So it's fast food here, grab something here, and sometimes they don't even eat. So we make sure that we take the time at least one time every single year to go sit down together as a family and just enjoy a real meal together, which sounds so minuscule. But at the same time, it's meant so much. We all love it. 
we've gotten the same waiter i don't know how many years uh-huh. in a row but wait it's just something so nice to do together and to finally take a deep breath after all the hustle and bustle that's been happening throughout the week and she's like okay there's a little bit of normalcy here again yeah, and we get to enjoy that together i love that it's like a calm in the moment of storm right well Alyssa, i just have enjoyed talking to you so much thank you for coming and sharing your perspective I feel like I've gained a lot of insight just as a mom. And like you said, you've, you've also given me this hope about how you view your life, knowing that my kids were raised the same way. So I've just enjoyed every minute of this. Thank you so much. Oh, you are so welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I hope you've had as much fun as I have listening to the heartwarming stories, adventures, mishaps, and life lessons from the arena and beyond. Now that you're officially a member of our Big Rodeo family, It would mean so much to us if you could take a moment to leave a rating and a written review. I'm passionate about putting these stories out into the world, and I love hearing your feedback. Knowing exactly what you want to hear more of or how an episode resonated with you helps us to continue to grow and, most importantly, share even more of our wild rodeo lives. (laughs) 